Hi, I'm Steve Hayes, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a sinner, and I love stories. I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear how God has worked in their lives to help change them and make them who they are. And I think we all need to hear those kinds of stories. So I hope you'll enjoy it and listen along with This Is My Story. I'm Lynn Demarest, and this is my story. are here today with Lynn Demarest. Hey Lynn. Hi. Thank you for agreeing to be on here with us. Um, by the way, folks, just in case you don't know, everybody who comes in here and does this is a little nervous about this whole deal and um, and rightfully so because we get into some things that you know people aren't used to opening up to the rest of the world. Um, But the good news, Lynn, is there's only about three people who listen to this, so you're (laughs) going to be okay. (laughs) We are not that widespread. Um, So thank you for for being on here. You are probably best known around these parts as Jess's mom. Yeah. Uh, And Jess is such a big guy and a big personality that I don't think people... Uh, a lot of people haven't gotten to the point where they know you as your own person, so I'm excited for everybody to hear that. But let's start with the elephant in the room. You <laughs> raised Jess. Yes, I did. I, and, you know, like I said, he's just this larger-than-life figure. Um, what was it like raising a kid like Jess? Jess is uh, truly a gift from God. Mm-hmm. I... Um, give God all the credit for Jess and his personality and his his heart. Mm-hmm. He um, he is part of the reason, he is the reason that I turned my life around. Mm. When I found out I was pregnant with him, I knew that the life I had been living could no longer be because it was selfish and self-indulgent. Mm. And I knew I had another human being I had to take care of. And um, I was raised by alcoholics, and I know that they cared for me, but their love was not always forthcoming, and it wasn't always known. And the one thing I always promised is that Jess would know that no matter what, I loved him. No matter what. And so that was my goal in raising him, was to teach him that he could be who he wanted to be and be who he was um, needed to be and that he would be loved no matter what well he knows that he's very confident in that and he did something right Thanks. that's for sure but there had to be some stories in there I mean oh my was goodness. he was he wild was he high energy was he he's high energy he's all boy but he was yeah. a good kid yeah. he doesn't he wasn't a troublemaker he wasn't right. uh he anytime he did do something he usually told on himself um, yeah, he's he's about as subtle as a freight train. <laughs> yes, he is. So I imagine he couldn't get away with much. No, he couldn't get away with much, <laughs> and he he his his um his dad was home, you know, in the uh-huh. daytime, and and all in his and so I was home with him at night because Craig worked in the in uh at night, but um his main thing is and you know him he loves to talk. Yeah. And he talked and he talked and he talked <laughs> and he got in more trouble at school for talking than anything else. Really. But. 
other than that, he really was not, he wasn't troublesome. He right. wasn't, um, you know, he was just yeah, um, boy. And I don't want to spend too much time on Jess, but but a lot of people think that he just came out of the womb with a football helmet on and he was ready to play football, you know, right from day one. But yeah. he, he actually didn't start playing football until high school, right? He didn't play football until he was in high school. That's correct. He, um, um, when he was young, he wanted to do stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily let him play football because I was afraid of the injuries and the effect they would have mm-hmm. on him because he was still growing. He played a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. When he was little, he started in T-ball and played baseball until he was junior high, I guess, uh, yeah. elementary school, sixth, fifth, sixth grade. And then he was um, um, a little tubby, and mm-hmm. they didn't want him to play in the positions that he could play. They wanted him to bat because, you know, he could knock the ball out of the park. Right. But he didn't um, – it just didn't work out well. Where we lived, mm-hmm. it got to be a very political – uh, organization yeah. with the organized sports there mm-hmm. and so he started having an extra he watched karate kid oh. and teenage mutant ninja turtles i got very interested in karate and so right. he wanted to try that so i put him in uh taekwondo yeah. and it was a very good program and he spent four years four and a half years in taekwondo and he's a second degree black belt I don't know if anybody knows that, but he uh, uh, became very interested in that, and he was very good at it. And we, like I said, he dropped out of uh, baseball, which was not um, doing anything for his self-esteem. Right. And he went into the Taekwondo, and it the program, not just him, but every child I saw walk in, I saw children walk in that program with their heads down and their eyes covered in a cowering position and come out in a few months with their head up, proud of themselves, proud wow. of their accomplishments. The people that ran it did a very good job with the people that were in it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah That's awesome. Well, um, yeah, a second degree black belt. Yes. As if Jess needed any other, like, ways yeah. to be able to harm someone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, his very favorite move was when he was sparring was he loved to, you know, he's long legs. Uh-huh. He loved to reach up with his foot and tap his opponent on top of the head because he got like three points for that. That's awesome. And that was one of his favorite moves. Well, thanks for sharing about Jess, but let's get to you. Um, you mentioned when Jess came along, mm-hmm. you that was that was the catalyst for you to turn your life around. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I'm assuming along that journey, you you came to know Christ, you came to be active in church, and, and um, I'm assuming that was part of your turnaround. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Is that true, or is there well, more yeah, to that Yeah, it was story? further down the road. It was, you know, becoming a parent, being a more responsible person mm-hmm. that way, but... Um, I had an aunt who um, was a churchgoer, and she enjoyed it. And she always told me, get that boy in church. Mm. Get that boy in church. And we would talk about it, and I'm like, and she, you know, I was like, I said, oh, he'll make his own decision when he's old enough. And she said, if he doesn't know about it, he can't make a decision about it. Right. So uh, part of her encouragement, we would go occasionally. I would take Jess occasionally to church. And, of course, we hit the high places, you know, Christmas Eve and Easter and mm-hmm. things like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then Jess became friends with a, a kid down the street, and they were active churchgoers, and okay. they invited him to go. And uh, this was a church in Spring where he uh, grew up. And that church was very active in, in having kids and young people involved in getting their parents because they thought if you could get your kids, kids, you could get their parents. Right. And they did things like, um, Jess was in Taekwondo, he's also in the band. Mm-hmm. And he played the tuba, and they let they would have talent shows, and they let just play his tuba <laughs> for a talent show. Um, Do you so, happen to have the footage of that on a video somewhere? I think so. I, think I would love do. to see I think that. We do. Is there anything more perfect than Jess playing the tuba? I've got to see that win. But we, uh, so we were invited. You know, we would go to church because if Jess was doing something, he and uh, Craig and I would go go watch him you know let him know okay. we were there yeah and uh, um so just through the activity there at that church we started going mm-hmm. and um there's been lots of on and off church for me from when i was a teenager yeah. and on um but one day uh, brother mark that was the preacher at that church mm-hmm. was preaching about how hell, hell is real mm-hmm. and that um talking about how you don't want to go there and the only way to not go to hell was accepting Jesus as your Savior. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be eternally separated from God. Mm-hmm. And so I rem- don't remember the date. I don't remember. I just remember walking down the aisle. And I'm like the whole way thinking, Craig is not going to like this. This is not going to be good. And when I got down there and turned around, he was following me. Wow. So on that same day, we both turned our lives over to Christ. And our lives had, um, I mean, you know, it's a growing thing. It's a, you know, you you confess and you admit you're a sinner and you go on and then you learn. Mm-hmm. And you start studying and you learn how to change your life. So right. it's been a daily journey yeah. since then. Yeah. and um, And then somewhere along the way, you know, I always like to talk about people's struggles along the journey as well because it's one thing to have faith in God when things are going pretty well. It's one thing to even have faith in God for your eternal salvation and to say, you know, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God for eternity. It's another thing when you realize that you have to have God in the in the day to day, moment by moment. I tell people some you know, sometimes I think it's easier for us to allow God to save our souls than it is for us to allow God to save our lives. Yes. You know what I mean I by that? that? Yeah. Yeah. Like living day by day with him is him saving your life. And especially when you go through hard stuff. Yeah. So you've been through some hard stuff. I mean, you talked about it. Your upbringing yep. wasn't easy. Um, even the the circumstances that surrounded you, being pregnant with, with Jess, weren't mm-hmm. easy. Nope. Um, and then, you know, you, your husband passed away. You find yourself a widow. Mm-hmm. Um how did you how did you get through that time, and what role did God play in sustaining you yeah. through such a loss? 
the only way I got through that was faith in him. And I learned, um, I already knew, I had a defining moment when I knew that no matter what, if I had been the only person living on this planet, Jesus would have died for me. I already Mm. knew that. But after Craig died, it was a constant 24-hour, seven days a week prayer. You've got to help me through this. I can't do this without you. Were you expecting his death, or was it sudden? He had uh, chronic lung and heart issues, Mm -hmm. and we had been told that it was imminent, but it was not immediate. So it was a chronic illness, but... You know, he was on different treatment plans, and the lung doctor said it was his heart, and the heart doctor said it was as long as that constant back-and-forth battle. Right. And I did not know, but I believe that that he knew that it was uh, going to happen sooner than, than later. Um, right. And it was it was un, not completely unexpected, but it was very sudden. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't prepared no. for that moment for sure. And um, there's the shock that goes with all of that. And I'm sure there's, I know, my mom's a widow. I Mm -hmm. lost my dad at an early age. I I know that oftentimes what people feel is there's a shock, and then there's almost this wave of, you know, support from friends, family, people. Mm -hmm. And it's not until after all of that that the the real hard work the plowing through each yeah. day yeah. and the people are gone yeah and and when all that fades away then it's it's pretty much you and and Jesus that's right that's right um what was that like for you well, it was difficult in that i didn't have any other family in mm-hmm. in Houston and in at that time Jess and Laura were living somewhere else and and um, uh, eventually, you know, they, and, but still, they have their own lives and all. And just every day, it was something as simple as, you know, the toilet would break. And I'm like, all right, this is up to me and you, God. We got, you got to help me figure this out. Mm-hmm. And literally, and then there were days right after uh, Craig died and I had to go back to work and all that stuff. It's like, it's everything I could do to remember to breathe. Mm. You know, and I tell I tell people that are recent have gone through death or recent widows and all. I'm like, the one thing you have to remember is to breathe. And if you can put one foot foot in front of the other every day, you've met, you've done something positive. And and some days that that's all you can do. And um, um, praying constantly. It's like I, I had a job I had to do. I had people that reported to me. And I had just would go in and pray. I'm like, I, I don't know what I need to do today, but you need to help me get through it. That sounds exhausting. It was exhausting. It's very exhausting because you have to be um, functioning. Hmm. You have to keep it together. You, um, you know, you have, like I said, you have people you're responsible to make sure that their job gets done or what have you, and you have a job you're responsible for, and um, it, you know, it's just, it can be completely overwhelming, and it's instead of letting it overwhelm me, I think I just, I just prayed my way through it, and I truly did just 
pray my way through it. And I'm, my life verse at that time was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because had it not been for him and him letting me lean on him and, and be hold that burden, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have. Right. Did you feel like you could have just curled up in a ball and slept all day, every day, yes. if you let yourself? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's and, easy to want to withdraw because you hurt so bad. Mm. You don't want any of more of the outside pain, you know, that can come um, during all that. I had befriended some neighbors, and they um, ended up being very hurtful. It was a very hurtful, hurtful thing that happened, and it it made me shut down even more as mm. far as to opening up to people. And it's only been, you know, recently that I've been willing to to let down some of that guard because um, who wants to get hurt like that? So you did go through some times after that where you did kind of close yourself off. Oh, yeah. 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 Because you were already fragile. Yes. And the risk of getting more damaged. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you always feel like you had walked around with this open wound? Yeah. yeah. Somebody might poke you there and it was just going to... Well, not necessarily poke you there, but take advantage of some, you know, some way you're trying to be kind and, and helpful and honest mm-hmm. and and they're just being, they're using you, taking advantage of you. Um, there's that. Um, of course, that's mostly with anybody every day. And you're a... You're a you're a tough person. Yeah. You know, you're not a pushover. Uh-huh. Anybody who meets you knows right away that, you know, this is a formidable person, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. You're yeah. not a difficult person at all. Yeah. But you're you're just you're independent. Independent. You're you're strong minded. Yeah. Um and so it probably bothered you to be sensitive to a degree. Like you yeah. you didn't you don't want to be needy. Yeah. Oh no! You don't want to I don't walk want to be, around feeling sensitive. I don't want to be a burden sensitive. on anybody. Yeah. You know, I don't want anybody to think they have to, you know, take care of me or. So was that like part that. of it? Part of the withdrawal was, I don't want to have my neediness on display. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. My wife is is that way. That's just kind of the way she's built, you know. Yeah. And so she's sometimes doesn't initiate a lot of social interaction yeah. because yeah. she she's discarded like that yeah. so I get that yeah I just I've always been that way my mother was relatively independent and mm-hmm. we we just we took care of ourselves you know we like I said they were either at work or incapable of taking care so we took care of my sister and I we took care of ourselves so yeah. it's like I don't want to depend on anybody and mm-hmm. I don't need to so which yeah. is not always a good way to be. Right, and yet there's a there's a part of human interaction where you, where vulnerability has to exist. Right. Otherwise, right. you can't be in community. Right. What has helped you move past that and get to a point where you where you are a little more vulnerable? Because mm-hmm. I don't see you now as someone who's withdrawn. Yeah. I think. Um, a change of scenery I think coming from Houston to here because in Houston you're so isolated because there's the commute the 
commutes are so hard and the traffic is so hard and everything is just rush, 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 rush to get anywhere or do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, coming here and being able to relax and be um, in, in communication with people that are, you know, like-minded, they're believers, and finding people that are um, kind and, mm-hmm. and open has helped. Um, another thing that happened after Craig died, which was, to me is still bizarre, is we had a lot of friends in church, but they were couples. Yeah. And I was no longer a couple. Yeah. And I kind of got kind of got shut out. Yeah. And that was very hurtful because, you know, it was people that we had spent years with, you mm-hmm. know, and that we did things with and it was kind of like, well, we don't want to upset you by talking about Craig, but then that it was like nobody wanna talk about him. It's like he didn't exist and I'm mm. that was hurtful too. So it was just a combination of things. And I think changing um from moving away from from that group of church people to coming up here and getting a new sense of home yeah. was very helpful. Yeah, because in a very real way you lose your identity. Yes. You, I mean, yes. you lose at least half of your identity. Yes. So being able to come and kind of redefine yeah, your identity I think that, was that helped helpful. a lot. Yeah. That's good. Um, was there ever a time when you got mad at God? Oh, yes. I think that's, I think that you're so sad and overwhelmed at the beginning. And then you're just kind of in a, what do I do next? Like thing. a fog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the anger hits. Mm. And that's something that I also like to tell widows and people is um, God can take that anger and he'd rather you express it to him than anybody else and fight through it. And I'm sure people think I'm hysterical, but there were times I would literally just stand in the house and scream at mm. God. It's like, why did you take him from me? Why did this happen? But you have to let that out. And if you, and again, he's there. He can take anything we can give him. And he wants us to lean on him. Mm. And the more you lean on him, the more you realize he really is there. That relationship is real. And he can help you through it. Yeah, so there's a, uh, if what I'm understanding you, if I'm understanding you correctly, there's a, there's something healthy about expressing that anger. You said God can take it. God can take your anger. And you mean that in the sense that God's not going to run away from you or God's not going to get his feelings hurt or, you know, it's not going to ruin his day. If you express your anger to him, he's still going to be there. Well, he's not going to reject you either. He's going to welcome you with open arms and give you... Mm -hmm what you need at that point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not the first time someone's been angry with them. No, <laughs> no. Um, and I think that's such an important point for people to hear, especially people who are going through grieving. I remember, I'll never forget this as long as I live. We um, had some, my, my family, my grandparents and all my extended family, they have a ranch in kind of a a central Louisiana and I'll never forget after dad died we were at the ranch and I was at the pond uh, fishing and I heard 
a woman screaming. And it scared me. Yeah. I mean, it's still, I can still hear it, it still sends chills up my spine. And I realized later that it was my mom. And she was out on our land but screaming at God. Yep. And she told me that later. Yeah. And I said, what, what were you doing? And she said, I was just yelling at God. Yep. She said it just like that. I was just yelling at God. Yep. I said, really? Why were you yelling at God? Like that seemed like maybe wrong to me. Yeah. And she said, well, I was just yelling because I lost my husband and I didn't like it. Yep. And I said, well, are you okay with God? She's like, yeah, I'm better now. Yeah. <laughs> just had to get it out. Yeah. He can handle it. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that because I think people need to hear that, especially people going through yeah. grief. Well, it's a it's a relationship that depends on communication. Yep. And if you don't, I mean, he knows you and he knows mm-hmm. what you're going through, but he wants you to confess it. I think is the right mm-hmm. word, and you, for your own benefit, you know, if, let it out, let him have it, lay it at his feet. That's what he wants, and then move on with what he wants you to do. That's healthy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I've had. Uh, I've had times where my kids yelled at me. Yeah. I've had times where my wife yelled at me, and I've yelled at her. Yeah. And it and we have a great relationship. Yeah. But um, part of having a relationship is having someone in that relationship who has the freedom to defy your will. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be happy about it, but the relationship has to continue. So how does the relationship continue beyond anger with the Lord? I think there are natural stages of grief and and you just have to to work through them and everybody works through them at a different pace some people more quickly than others and some a lot longer than others I will tell you that um, when I was 22 years old I lost my mother Mm. and uh, that was not a good place and it was not there was a lot of stuff behind all that but it took me 18 years to finally come to terms with that. Yeah. I was not a believer at that time. Mm-hmm. And being having lost my mother and then having lost a sister and a husband after being a believer is there's difference. Mm-hmm. There's big difference. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take as long, but there's not any schedule that anybody can be on that's grieving. You go through the sadness, you go through the despair, you go through the anger, you go through the, okay, now what? And then you finally learn to live with that new normal. Things don't ever go back to normal. There's a new normal that you have to learn to live with. And and it's just it's an everyday thing. It's like, okay, how are we going to get through this now? I mean, I'd never lived by myself until mm-hmm. he passed away. And it's like how am I going to do that? You know, Mm -hmm. how do you be alone? You know, I'm not comfortable with me. How do I learn to live with (laughs) me? So it was, it was, it's just a growing learning experience, but it's an everyday, everyday thing. And where do you want me? What do you want me to do? You know, what do you want, where do you want me to serve? Right. Yeah. um, So if I'm hearing you correctly, it, it sounds kind of like, and I, 
I definitely believe this. Um, it's okay to be angry with God. It's not okay to stay angry with God. It will eventually become something that's toxic to you. Yeah. So you have to move beyond it. Yeah. Um, and I the best way to move beyond it may be to, to ask those types of questions. What do you want from me? Where can I go? Mm-hmm. It becomes a more outward yeah. focus. Yeah. I I think service is the best cure for selfishness that mm. there is. And if you find some way somehow to serve, even if it's, you know, watching kids in the nursery or cooking, cleaning the kitchen or something mm-hmm. like that, something that you can do. If you're not self-focused, you're not going to stay um, as self-centered yeah. as that. If you if you find a way to serve that you can, and, and everybody can do something. You know, I spend a lot of time in prayer. I pray. I don't pray eloquently. I don't pray scripture, but I do pray a lot. And I am uh, one of the people at work. The people know I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. And if they have issues, they come to me and we, we will pray about stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's another one of the things he's given me is that. And when I say I'm going to pray for you, I mean it. And I usually mm-hmm. stop right then and do it. If I don't pray with you right that moment. I'm praying for you, you yeah. know, um, and I have learned that too. Don't just say, tell somebody you're going to pray for them. Stop and pray for them right then. Mm, yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. And that brings us to kind of your your next phase in life is you really have become known for your service. Um, yeah. You you here at our church, you serve a lot of people through the kitchen mm-hmm. and cooking and like do you do you do that because you just enjoy cooking um, and cleaning and that type of thing or is there something else (laughs) I can do it I know how to do it it's I'm comfortable doing it Um, I can do kitchen all day long Mm -hmm. Um, it brings me joy to see people happy Mm -hmm. and if there's one way to make people happy is to feed them Mm -hmm. and feed them something that they enjoy and so I enjoy cooking and watching people eat it, enjoy having a good time. Mm-hmm. I enjoy making people comfortable. I enjoy people, you know, coming to my home and being comfortable. It's like I'm not I'm not a great hostess in that I'm not going to wait on you. I'm not going to serve you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open the door and go, this is mine and anything and I have it. is yours. <laughs> Help yourself, mm-hmm. you know, make yourself at home. Yeah, that's That's my version of it. I think that yeah. that's just one of... That's I think that's my gift is is hospitality. I probably not the best, but at least I do it with a sincere open heart. Well, and you enjoy or, what I heard you say is that you enjoy the result mm-hmm. of the work. You don't necessarily just live to do that kind of work, mm-hmm. um, but you enjoy what it does for others, yeah. Yeah. and that puts you in a good place and puts yeah. them in a good place. And yeah. you, I think, you feel used by God. Yeah when you do that. And then another area that you help serve here is you are a voice to widows mm-hmm. in our within our church. You when you know that someone is going through uh, that kind of loss and pain, you have had a tendency to reach out yeah. to them. Yeah. Um you're you're uniquely equipped to do that. Mm-hmm. What does that do is that it's got to be hard for you to do that in some ways. I know this about me. 
I struggle with anxiety, mm-hmm. and sometimes when I talk about it, it makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, you've gone through loss and pain of losing your husband. I'm sure sometimes when you talk about it, it's painful. Yeah, it's sometimes it's painful, but it's. I just want them to know. I mean, there's business aspects of of mm-hmm. losing your spouse that you have to take care of, and if you don't know things, you're gonna get you're gonna get hurt in mm-hmm. different ways because of that. So right. I want people to know to know about those things, and I want people to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's each situation is different, but but losing your spouse, I mean. Losing your life's companion, you know, mm-hmm. the person that you fussed at, the person that you picked up after, the person that that gave you a hug when you walked in from work, the person that you would sit, go out to dinner with, the person you would go see a movie with, the person that you might go to the grocery store. You, your life's companion, those day-to-day, everyday things, you've lost that person. Mm-hmm. And that's a gap that can't be filled easily. Right. And just to let people know that you understand that, you know, and that if you just need somebody to talk to about that or you want somebody to cry with, if you want, you know, just there's people that experience that because you do feel like you're the only person in the world that that's ever happened to. Right. And you're not. Yeah. You know, you're not. Well, I really appreciate the insight into that. I appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate the honesty that's come with that and I appreciate you Lynn I just Thanks. you know you're you're not just Jess's mom now you're kind of all our mom around <laughs> here and we appreciate you we love you thanks for serving our church really well thanks been thanks a good for letting fit. me be a part of the family been a good fit thanks all right okay. that's it yay you got me crying Lynn <laughs> <laughs> mm. can't help it If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe. And if you'd like to spread the word, please consider leaving a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Our video podcast is available on our Grace Community Church YouTube channel. This Is My Story is produced and engineered by Jake Moore and is a ministry of Grace Community Church in Corsicana, Texas. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the speaker and do not necessarily express the views of Grace Community Church. Thanks for listening.